people have to understand if they're thinking about going into a career as a chef that is probably nowhere near as romantic as it may seem or sound or look from the outside. I always joke with younger people about don't ever become a chef unless it's something you really want to do because it's going to be a battle to be successful and to be happy. It's hard, long hours. You're not going to make a whole lot of money unless you become very successful. And the amount of people that do become very successful are limited, you know? It can be a fun career, though. I mean, if it's something you believe you're really good at and you really would love to do it, then you should go for it. This is Professional Confessionals. We're joined today by Master Chef Richard Cookley, who's been a head chef at many restaurants and is currently a personal chef to the rich and famous. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Tell us about your path to the present moment. How you decided to pursue this career, what your first exposure was, and where you went to school. Kind of give us the story of that. You know, I probably first developed a love for cooking when I was below my mom when she was cooking at the stove. I had a real good experience of uh, smelling and eating lots of different kinds of foods at uh, my mom Lenore made for us kids. So was your mom a good cook? She was. She experimented a whole lot with all different types of foods. And, you know, in the beginning, she was probably too busy of a mom. So some of the stuff was pretty simple. But as time went on, she started making all sorts of things for us. And I loved tasting and eating her food. Hmm. So that was your initial inspiration? Yeah, I think so. You know, it was one of those things I seemed to be drawn towards. I liked helping her in the kitchen and, yeah, experimenting a little myself. She always did stuff like making cupcakes when I was a kid. And we'd all ice them and put sprinkles on them and have, have, have parties decorating cakes and things. Yeah. That sounds like a really sweet memory. So what, what was your first inkling that you thought, I may do this for a living? You know... When you're a youngster in high school and things, it's hard to imagine what you want to do mm-hmm. with your life. And I graduated high school and, you know, I had worked early on, even during high school in different restaurants and after school at the burger joints and summer vacation in this big hotel where I did the dishes and cooked breakfast a little bit. So it seemed like a logical direction. It wasn't something that I had a super passion for to start with, but it was something I know I could do. I know I would always have a job. So with the encouragement of my folks, I went off to culinary school. After a year off, um, you know, between high school and, and college, I went to the Culinary Institute of America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, got my start there. That was just a basic start because school is school. And as much as they show you all these different things, they only show you once. And it's a little hard to learn how to bake a pie just once. Mm. Yeah. Was there any other profession when you were thinking about what you might want to do that could have, you know, what would you have done if it wasn't this? You know, not really. Once um, I set my mind to that, that's something I was going to do. That was, that was it. Where I started my career, I was just, you know, working in these simple restaurants as a kid. I just continued on. Yeah, I had no other great aspirations. And you felt like you had a, a talent for this, I, I suppose. Yes, yeah, for sure. I noticed right away that I could use a knife a little better than the other guys and that my focus and attention to the food was genuine. Yeah. Did your parents, did either of them have any strong opinions about what career path you should follow? They told me I could do whatever I wanted, but that I needed to pick something. And I chose the cooking field. 
I didn't know where it was going to bring me because the food for service industry is enormous and there's all different parts of it. You know, you can be a manager, you can be a chef, you can be front of the house, back of the house. But yeah, that's the direction I started off in. So what was your first job out of out of the Culinary Institute? Well, they have a system where they pretty much set you up with jobs before you even graduate. You go on interviews. So I went straight into Manhattan, to a small restaurant on the east side over near the UN. And that's where I got my first start as a sous chef or assistant chef. And then what did that lead to? That was a good, really good job because part of the deal was that uh, after a year or two, the chef promised to get me a job working in Europe, in Switzerland, at a hotel that he had worked at. And he thought that'd be really good for my career to get the European experience. And so that's what happened. After a year and a half, I went to Switzerland, worked for a year, big hotel, lots of fun, lots of people. Uh, there were 17 of us in the kitchen. And when I returned to New York, actually, I returned to that same restaurant as the chef. He retired and uh, they took me on as the, the new chef, which was really nice. So did you feel that your experience in Switzerland was like a game changer or, or helped you with your mastery or gave you like an extra bump? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. For chefs, it's really important to move around. And if they have a chance to go to Europe, the way the Europeans deal with their food is a whole lot different than Americans. They pay a lot closer attention to the details. So that's what I learned. They, it's like you did everything from scratch. Whereas in America, a lot of things are out of a can and that sort of thing. But uh, they, yeah, they're, uh, the way they treat food is a whole lot different. So were there people in the industry that you felt really influenced you? You know, in culinary school, they introduced me to, you know, the famous chefs, the Escoffiers and the Paul Proudhons and the, the different, uh, I guess, celebrity famous chefs. And I had, I can't say I had any particulars that I really followed behind or believed in. I mean, it was a melting pot of all different types of ideas. And that's really what to do if you want to become a good chef is you learn a little bit of of every cuisine, if you can. So whether it's a bit of Asian, a bit of French, a bit of German, you need you need to have it all to get a really good palate going. You'll see a lot of really famous chefs nowadays who do and they have often it'll be Asian and French or it's usually it's usually a combination of things nowadays. So it sounds to me like there's a lot of room for artistry, creativeness, much more than many other fields might offer. Without a doubt. And that's one of the best parts of being a chef is that you get to create every day and experiment. And it seems like no single dish is ever the same twice uh, to some degree. Uh, but also at the same time, you evolve all the time. You're always trying something new. Let's change it. Whether it's a particular dish, you change it just a little bit. But we're artists and, and we create what is hopefully beautiful in not only looking at and tasting, but you know, it's it's a harmonious thing, and it's it's a fun thing too to 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 give to people around you to share. That that's where a lot of the reward comes from for a chef is when you get that feedback from people. Wow, that was really wonderful, delicious, and that's what we live for is those uh, compliments. And even if somebody doesn't say it, you you often know it. You know, you can tell yourself by by tasting it or seeing their their response that you're doing a good thing. It can be a very satisfying. A profession, it sounds like. Sure, it can, absolutely. But maybe that's only, it's, it's a tough, tough profession. And I could talk about that part uh, for a long time. Because a lot of times in a restaurant, especially, yeah, it's very repetitious. You know, you're making the same thing over and over again. 
and you know you're behind the scenes you're not really seeing how how things are going i mean you look at the plates usually when they come back and it gives you a good idea of how you're doing but it's a really tough profession because you have to really work hard and often don't get that much feedback but i tell you there's nothing like well i guess when you're behind the line in a restaurant you're cooking away and have all these slips coming in telling you to do this, do that. You know, you're rushing through it. And at the end of the day or the end of the, the shift and you're all done and it's over with and you really, you know, put out a huge amount of food and it all went really super well. There's an amazing feeling of, of accomplishment that you just know you did a really great job and the people around you are like, wow, great job. Tell us about some of the obstacles that you might have had to overcome. Well, the restaurant business is uh, is a hard place to be. It's long, hard hours. Sometimes you just want to get the hell out of there. But, you know, if this is what you were going to do, this is what you're going to do. So you kind of push through. The environment in the restaurant business is one where, you know, lots of people don't even speak English. So you sometimes feel you're in another country. It's a little bit strange. They're all trying hard and they're all good friends. But um, it's sometimes like a battleground. And it can really wear you down. So you have to literally learn how to um, try to take it easy at some points. Slow down, relax. Don't push it too hard because you're going to hit a stone wall if you do. You'll end up, you know, maybe boozing it up too much at the end of the night or getting in trouble with drugs is a big thing in the restaurant business. People around you are messing around with things they probably shouldn't be. And it's a very uh, volatile environment. You know, it looks romantic from... Outside the kitchen of, you know, these fancy restaurants and so on and so forth. But behind the scenes, there's a whole other deal. Would you say that that's kind of what surprised you the most about this work that you were unaware of? Yeah, a lot of it I hadn't had no idea. For sure, I romanticized it, I think, myself when I first started out. That it was going to be all fun and games and maybe I wasn't going to make a fortune, but at least I'd have a job and that sort of things. But I had to leave the restaurant business and, and get into the private sector because it was just too too hectic. And I was going to go, go crazy. You know, some people can rise above that. And maybe they become the owner of the restaurant and, and just can supervise. But behind the scenes, I think it's, uh, it's more for... The young, a young person, but you start hitting your 40s or so and you just don't have that stamina to work till one o'clock in the morning. And there's lots of books have been written about it. Anthony Bourdain, you know, God bless his soul. Kitchen Confidential is a good, you know, good example of what it's like behind the scenes. He had a real rough time. Actually, his career was quite similar to mine. I'm almost the same age as he was and same towns and same type of restaurants. And it's a brutal environment. But if you can push through it, and if it's something that you really love, you, you can do it. But it has to be something that you committed to and you really like. Because if you don't, you're going to fail. It's, it takes, like probably many careers, a total commitment that through the thick or thin, you're going you're gonna to do it. And there must be people you've met along the way that you thought shouldn't be in that business. Yeah, there were a few like that. Uh, I had a roommate, actually, in culinary, who, um, in the culinary institute um, where I went to school, uh, who just didn't have the stamina. It, uh, and, you, and you knew right away that, well, maybe he'd get a job in a cafeteria or something like that, but he wasn't going to go very far. So for those of us who haven't read Anthony Bourdain's book, um, it, it sounds like you're alluding to what you've talked about, that it being a pressure cooker and that if you don't find a way to manage that for yourself, then you're not going to do well. Do you want to add to that? It's so true. I mean, it's 
as I said, as some people like to romanticize it with all these celebrity chefs on television nowadays and things, it's nothing like that behind the scenes. You have to stay really focused. If you don't have that temperament where you're willing to put up with uh, a really rough environment, you're going to run into trouble. I forget what the statistics are. I know alcoholism is rampant. And it's, I mean, probably well over 50% of the chefs I know drink way too much. Is that because most of the, they have availability because they work in restaurants? Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, well, think about it. It's right in front of you, you know. The customers are drinking and, you know, probably the pot washer in the back has a beer stash somewhere and that sort of thing. But, and yeah, alcohol is great for, you know, calming you down. But, uh, you know, it can take over your life real easy. It, it did mine. I mean, unfortunately, I was able to overcome those problems. For a while, I was in big trouble myself. Would you say that's one of the, the biggest stumbling blocks that you had to face in your career? Yes. And, and for some people, it's too big of a stumbling block. And they probably need to move on and do something else. There's no temptation? Yeah, it's not there all the time right next to you. Um, you know, if you want to be part of the crew and part of the team and so on, you end up a lot of the times... Joining right in, it's they've all they all have a drink in their hand at the end of the shift or even before that, and it's a good chance you probably will too. In your current work, it sounds like you you're part of a an elite core of chefs that cater to the very wealthy and the famous and the people who can afford the best. And is this like the golden ring for a chef to in this kind of position that you're in, or it's really? very subjective and depends on the, a particular person's... Yeah, well, I mean, after 20 years of restaurants where I was a head chef in maybe seven different places, uh, also worked for some catering companies and some hotels, I moved into the private sector, meaning uh, wealthy families who could afford a private chef, which was great for me because I got out of that insane uh, environment of uh, the restaurant business. And I was probably very lucky. It's not easy to break into the private chefing world. They, you know, they always probably want someone who has a little experience already. Yeah, it's tough to get into that world. But also, that's a whole other deal too, where it's not always just about cooking, but it's about personality, about flexibility, about you know being able to roll with whatever the client wants for that particular day at that particular time. So it's a whole interesting new environment. But also, you can be very creative, which is wonderful, as long as your client is okay with that. You can play around with lots of different recipes and foods, You're always trying something new on them to, you know, variety being the spice of life, I suppose. Is there any job that you had that you consider your worst job that you wouldn't recommend uh, for career? You know, it's... Fun. Yeah, I've had some bad jobs and I've had some great jobs, but I think all of them were a learning experience, you know, no matter how much I dreaded going in that day, I was probably there for a reason. I worked in a French place for a while as one of the sous chefs or kumis or, you know, I was, I was taking a break from being the head chef. I figured I'm going to go back and I'm going to learn some more tricks of the trade. And it was pretty, you know, monotonous and the same thing every day and that grind I, t I learned a lot in that place. They showed me some, some cool things. So knowing what you know now, is there anything that you do differently? No, probably not. Life is all about lessons and learning. And, you know, you have to go through things. Maybe I could have done things a little differently, but I think it was all meant to happen. It was all for a reason, to put me where I am today. 
it took all that, that suffering <laughs> to some degree, I guess, to be happy again, you know, to be comfortable in my career now, which I am, took a lot of work beforehand, years and years of different types of places, different types of people, different types of training. But most any real successful chef will tell you that's what they did in the beginning of their careers is they moved around as much as possible to get as much exposure to different techniques and ways of doing things, yeah. For someone who wants to enter the field, is there a path that you would recommend? So there's, a, there's a lot of different ways of entering it. There's no specific path, you know. Many people choose school, and some people believe that they, you don't really need to do that. I don't think you necessarily need to go to some fancy culinary school. I felt that doing the work itself in a restaurant was really where I learned my trade, was getting out there and doing it. You know, this, as wonderful as the Culinary Institute of America is, and it showed me, you know, fancy garmoger work where you work, you know, you make fancy flowers, and they, you know, gave you a broad view, a huge broad view of things, but they only showed you once, and you really have to get out there and do it many times. And you're going to learn that in a restaurant as opposed to school. But the key is, like I said, mentioned earlier, is try to move around. So tell your people that you're going to work for, hey, I'll give you a year, year and a half, and then I'm going somewhere else. But it can start at the simplest place in the world. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be anywhere fancy in the beginning, you know. It could be a local diner. I'm sure they have a lot of different things that they could teach you if you want to become a chef that uh, you'll use the rest of your career. But stay there only a short period of time and then move on. After five, seven years, you might think about staying longer. You might even at that point be able to be, you know, the, the, the chef in an in a institution somewhere. Mm -hmm. So what you just said about alerting people that you're only going to stay for a year, year and a half, mm -hmm. would that not deter them from hiring you? No, no. I think most restaurants understand that that's kind of the deal. They know how important it is to probably themselves to, to, to gain experience in different places. And many externships uh, from schools and this and that are, are short period. They're six months, uh, eight months, and then you move on. But I understand what you're saying, but not necessarily. Maybe later on in your career, if you become a pastry chef, you're going to want to commit to a longer period in a hotel or restaurant. But there's quite a bit of rotating doors involved in the food industry. What do you think are some of the greatest misconceptions that people not in the business have about being a chef? Great question, Steve, really. Uh, and that's probably one of the most important. And people have to understand if they're thinking about going into a career as a chef, that is probably nowhere near as romantic as it may seem or sound or look from the outside. And I can't implore people enough about that. I mean, I always joke with younger people about don't ever become a chef <laughs> unless it's something you really want to do because it's going to be a battle to be successful and to be happy. It's hard, long hours. You're not going to make a whole lot of money unless you become very successful. And the amount of people that do become very successful are limited, you know? And when you say successful, do you mean... Financially successful. And in order to do that, you need to get a position like head chef or one of the yeah. upper level... Yeah, um, head chef for sure. But, you know, think about all the restaurants out there. Probably lots of head chefs don't even make that much money. Probably lots of more immigrants who probably don't have that much education to get going with the, the financial rewards has to be a pretty high-end place. So maybe you won't ever get there, but you have to be okay with that if you don't. It might be somewhere in the middle of the road. Yeah, it's, it can be a fun career, though. I mean, and I, you know, 
if it's something you believe you're really good at and you really would love to do it, then you should go for it. You know? Yeah. So walk us through a typical day of yours, a typical working day. Well, in the private chef sector, it starts out by formulating a menu for the day in the morning, making a shopping list, and then deciding where you're going to need to go to gather those items. Sometimes you can call and have things delivered, but I often prefer and always have is to go into the markets myself and pick out everything exactly how I want it, you know, so the perfectly ripe tomato and, and so on. Often in this private chef world, it can be three meals a day. Where then you have to start real early. I've gotten it down to where I only need to come in and do lunch and dinner. So if I get to my job at 11 in the morning, I'm probably going to have lunch ready by noon, 12.30. And then it's, uh, you know, it's busy because you end up doing everything from scratch. So you're talking about appetizers, you're talking about hors d'oeuvres, you're talking about the first course, you're talking about desserts. Uh, all have to get made by you and you alone. So it's pretty much nonstop. Even at this point in my career, I'm still on my feet 10 hours a day. And that's pretty much the minimum, usually. I mean, b between shopping, too, you got to add another hour or so on. It's a long day. It really is. And I don't think there's too much of a way around that if you want to continue to make decent money. So what have you always wanted to achieve that you haven't yet in this field? You know, I, I love what I've done. I've loved where I've gotten. It's so, I don't have any regrets as far as not being, well, you know, It's hard to say. Maybe it would have been nice to write my own cookbook or maybe own a restaurant. I've always been asked, you know, why come you? How come you've never? Yeah, that's, that's what a lot of us not in the business think. That's what you aim for. Someone who's a chef, they want to own their own restaurant. Yeah. It's like a given, but maybe mm -hmm. not because there's that whole business aspect that's a real pain in the butt. Oh, it's, it's from, from, the, from, from me looking at it and seeing how many unsuccessful people, the chances of success in your own restaurant are limited. 80% of any restaurant that opens, in, a new restaurant open, opens in one year, closes its doors again. And it's a huge monetary commitment. So unless you have investors in, uh, who are willing to lose that money or take that gamble, it's not a really good idea. But probably worse than that is the hours it involved. If you're running a place, if it's your restaurant, you're there crazy hours. We're Almost living there. Yeah. I mean, you're 24-7. It's, it's all about watching the cash register, watching the kitchen. I mean, to, I can, in my job now, create all kinds of things uh, that I would in my own restaurant. And but my people are real happy with that, without the without the uh, the commitment. So no, no regrets. No, I, I'm happy exactly where I've ended up with my career. Not many people can say that. No, maybe not. It's true. Or would have given up at some point, you know. But uh, I pushed through, and I've learned how to uh, uh, do the dance. I guess you could call it. <laughs> If there's anything that you could change about your profession career, what would it be? You know, if there's anything I could change, it would be the people's outlook on food in this country. Hmm. There's so much crap out there that uh, people eat, I guess you could say. This fast food world, the horrible food that a lot of people are almost forced to eat in the inner city where they don't have the availability of decent grocery stores. And just maybe bringing some knowledge to the general public about how important healthy food, good food, fresh food is for your body and your mind. I was going to ask if you think that the American food culture should be more similar to the European food culture where they make everything from scratch? For sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, we could learn a lot from them if we 
take our eyes off of ourselves for a change. You know, they have a lots more farmers market type places in, and they rely on those in uh, in Europe. But there's a famous saying about the Europeans live to eat and we only eat to live in this country. Uh, so they really appreciate and they eat slowly and they focus on, you know, healthy, good, fresh ingredients. Not all these homogenized, pasteurized, sugar-laden products that we have in this country. Fortunately, there has been more popularity for organic foods, and there's a certain segment, I think, of the population. Oh, yeah, no, there has. There has been. It's it's getting better. Sure, you know, there's more and more farmer's markets nowadays. Um, unfortunately, a lot of it's uh, prices and accessibility is uh, two of the big problems. I go to Union Square Farmer's Market a lot, but I walk away, I look wondering what happened to my wallet. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's uh, not cheap to eat well. That's really true. But, you know, Alice Walters and maybe a little garden in your backyard type ideas uh, are another way of doing it, yeah. And, of course, Richie has, you, you have your website, yes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and your website is? Uh, well, Kitchen Magic Made Easy. Is, uh, dot com? Yeah, dot com. Or, you know, you just my name, Richard Cookley. If you Google me, uh, it'll probably come up. I'll try to teach people about food and, and uh, some good recipes and some good fun you can have uh, going out there looking for food. There's no substitute for experience. And I've been cooking for a long time now, you know, and I've gotten really good at it. So I, stuff just sort of happens now, which is really great. When I do that, when I whip things up and it just comes out super it's great to see people's reactions. Especially they put food in their mouth and there's this big smile comes to their face, you know? Nothing greater. Yeah. I can't think of much else that can produce that effect. <laughs> so what, what else is on the horizon for you? Do you have any goals? Any, anything? What's next? You know, next is moving into semi-retirement for me. I don't want to step away completely from uh, working because I do enjoy it so much. It'll be uh, Italy this, this fall to look around the markets there and pick up some food and play around with them. Um, but no no big things on the horizon. Maybe teach a little bit, you know? I uh, did a little gig a short while back and uh, really enjoyed teaching some students about food. That might be something. But yeah, just enjoying good food with good friends in the evenings, a couple times a week, that sort of thing. That's what I. That's what we do. There's nothing more basic than, than eating. And when you can enjoy it, it's, um, it's a great thing. The most important thing is that people experiment. Don't be afraid to um, pick up a cookbook and play around. Don't be intimidated by food or by fancy chefs or fancy recipes, but, you know, to get get started and and play with food. I've always found it very inspiring to, uh, you know, you try the recipe over and over, and each time it, it evolves a little bit. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Richie. You're welcome. I enjoyed it myself. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more and subscribe, visit our website, professionalconfessionals.com. You can find Professional Confessionals on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.